Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Forget everything you've ever heard about dieting. What if you could eat the foods you love and find a way to get fit that was actually enjoyable? Welcome to Have It All with Devin Alexander. The chef from TV's Biggest Loser has lost 70 pounds and kept it up for over 30 years. She has also helped others to stop yo-yo dieting and actually transformed their lives. Now, here's your host, Devin Alexander. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here. I have been wanting to do this this show for a long time because... Everybody knows me for cooking. They know that I do recipes. They've tried my recipes. It's so exciting to have such a great group of people commenting all the time. But in recent years, I've learned that people don't really know my story, which I think is interesting because I feel like I put myself out there all the time and I'm constantly on Facebook. But it wasn't until last year... I was with Jen Jacobs from Biggest Loser, and we were in Central Park, and I did a little bit of this on Facebook Live. I promise I'm not going to repeat too much, but basically, she really called out the fact that she, even being a friend of mine for years, staying at my house, knowing me from Biggest Loser, didn't really understand that I, too, struggled like everyone else, and I was dumbfounded because, to me, it's such a personal and strong thing that I've gone through. Uh, and, you know, I'm really proud, obviously, to f- 30 years have kept off weight, even through all the craziness that so many people go through. So what I wanted to do today is really share my story deeply. Now, I will admit that part of it, it's never been a secret, but I also I have the most incredible mother on the face of the earth. And you'll learn about some trauma that I experienced as a child in the next hour and uh my mom thinks that someone might think she's a bad mom because I was overweight which we all know is the craziest thing in the whole world um I love my mom to death and she was always there for me and you know sometimes we're just wired for food and sometimes we don't listen to our moms as we all know so I'm just gonna jump in and start telling you what it was like for me being a young child, and then I'm going to move into how I changed everything from literally weighing 200 pounds to the amazing life that I get to live now being a size four, and what the struggle is like these days, because I think when you're overweight and you are a person who doesn't have any willpower, which I don't, believe it or not, I've lost 70 pounds, and I swear I have no willpower. I still have thoughts that I have to manage, but I love myself through it now instead of beating myself up, which was the big turning point. And I think one of the biggest things that I really want people to take away from this is, for me, what I discovered when I was young was that even after I lost the weight, I was still being super mean to myself, as so many of us do, for fear that if I ever was like, wow, I really look great, or wow, I deserve to feel beautiful, I would weigh 5,000 pounds or 400 pounds. I love to exaggerate. But seriously, I think that, as I said, even when I got down to my skinniest, which was like 126, right now I weigh about 140, usually 138. Uh, And again, I'm a size four. I do... 
do have a pretty good amount of muscle, I think. Uh, but as I said, it's, um, I don't know, when you're that size um, and you're still thinking you look terrible, you really need some help, which I got. So here we go. So when I was uh, in my teens, I knew that my grandmother was a Miss America contestant. Um, she was Miss Society Philadelphia. She was gorgeous. She was the person I looked up to so much in my life. As I said, I had the most incredible mother, um, great father too. Um, but my grandmother was the person who I really related to most and just wanted to be like her. She taught me how to cook as a kid and I just spent hour after hour learning to cook and I now joke learning to get fat but she had me rolling pasta when I was a little kid so her being this beauty pageant contestant uh, really I think played a role in me having a tough time picture this it was the late 80s I'm sitting on the sofa with my mother and my sister and my sister by the way was like 5'10 and I'm only 5'6 and she was always skinny she could walk around literally eating a half gallon of ice cream and be skinny now these days oh and she loved working out like she was constantly moving she was the head cheerleader and here's her fat sister who's you know 13 years old and uh I don't know, probably at least 150, maybe 175 pounds by then. I'm not even sure. But so we're all sitting on the sofa watching the Miss America pageant and Miss Pennsylvania comes on and my mother in all her glory and all the love that she always gave us looks at me and says, that's going to be you someday. You're going to take after none. And I just remember thinking, wow, like how could this possibly happen as I'd been trying to diet? So I scurry upstairs during a commercial break and I grab my mother's heels and I put on a one-piece bathing suit. Um, you know, obviously I didn't even have a bikini back then at that size. And I look in the mirror and I just start crying. And it's like, how? How could this ever be me? How am I not wasting my life? Now... I can tell you at that time, I already wasn't going to the high school dances. I was the kid who I didn't have a ton of friends. I did have some, but basically, I think I should jump back into how I got there. So in high school, I always wanted to be an actress. I... Uh, from the time I was a little girl, we would dress up like on Easter in little bunny rabbit costumes and do shows for my parents. And I too was a cheerleader when I was in Little League. So like at six years old, we used to do this stupid little cheer that was like blue and white, fight, fight, blue and white, fight, fight, blue, fight, white, fight, blue and white, fight, fight. And my, oh, and then there was this one that had, um, this little thing where the girls have the sexy legs and we win the games. And my dad used to love for us to do this for all his friends because we were so into it and so committed to being these adorable little cheerleaders with these stupid little cheers, as I said, at such young ages. And it just made me so happy to do that. And then... I was a plus size model um, at Models Institute in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or Lancaster, like on, like on Lancaster Avenue, I guess it was. In uh, Pennsylvania, there was this scout who came to our school looking for people who wanted to be models. And I was like, I do, I do at 13. And they were like, okay. And I wound up being the only plus size model on the whole show team. We traveled around and 
at one point I got to wear this pink prom dress that was honestly kind of hideous from the Deb shop and did this fashion show and it sold out like all the sizes, not just the heavy sizes. Um, it sold out so quickly that I was given like an extra $200 and I just felt so good. So I would go from this like not feeling good, not having friends, being bullied at school to you have such a pretty face. You just sold out these palm dresses. Your, your personality is so great. And so it was all this like, I've got to lose weight. I can't lose weight. Um, and then going to school and like not waiting to be able to get home. And I just studied and I wrote poetry about how my life was going to be so much better later. And on Friday nights during all the dances, when all the kids were starting to drink and hook up, like I couldn't even imagine have hooked. Uh, hooking up. I literally baked cookies with my gay best friend, which at the time he did not come out as gay uh, and couldn't really have in my town at that time. So we were just kind of the misfits who hung out and uh, baked, which we both loved. Um, Now, how I got there. So like, how does a child with a great family weigh that much as a kid? Well, when I was six, I had an Uncle Ron who, when I would get to my grandmother's house, I would always look forward to seeing him, and I would run across the kitchen, and he's like, here's my little angel. Unfortunately, he was shot and killed in Philadelphia. He owned a used car garage, and some very bad people, obviously, went and um, shot him when they tried to take his car back and he wanted payment. So that was my first loss. And it's so funny because I look back on those days and what I remember most was just running across my grandmother's house. And then also right after he passed, we were in his used car garage. And I remember there was, there was this adding machine that I really wanted. And my parents said I couldn't have it. And I remember being super bratty about it and I don't know why but somehow I really associated that with him and that's why I wanted it so my mom said that when that happened I really changed as a child at that point I don't know that I had food issues but then when I was eight my friend Margaret who had already been adopted um, her parents were killed in a plane crash and I only ever saw her one day after that and she told me that she dreamt that her parents died. And so my parents would travel and I was afraid to go to sleep at night when they were traveling. My my grandparents would always stay with us. And so I would try to stay up all night. And in order to stay up all night, and I'm still wired this way, I say the number one thing for me is I need enough sleep or I gain weight. Or I I shouldn't even say I gain weight now. I struggle with weight. So this started when I was a kid. I would feel like I'd need energy. And my grandmother was staying with us, as I said. So she'd make all this amazing food. And I would sneak downstairs in the middle of the night. And I would eat to stay awake. Because I've always had that, you know, when your stomach is so full, you feel so gross, you can't sleep, right? So I would stay up all night so my parents wouldn't die. And I really believed that... If I didn't dream it, it wouldn't happen and they would be safe. So needless to say, I had all this trauma around my, like, around my life that I never told anybody. Like, I literally never told my parents that I was doing that. Yet I was gaining weight and really feeling like I didn't fit in. 
So I mentioned that I was a cheerleader in Little League, and I was. I actually loved it. It was so much fun. My best friends were all cheerleaders with me, and there were four of us, or five of us from public school, and three from Catholic school. And when we got to junior high, there were only four cheerleading spots at our high school, or at our junior high school. So the five of us who had been the cheerleaders in Little League all those years went to try out for cheerleading, and I was the one who didn't make it because I was overweight by this point. And the funny part of that is I look back on it, and I mean, my mom, again, was so encouraging, um, but I never would have fit into the cheerleading uniform. Like, I just never would have. And not only did that mean that I wasn't with my friends anymore, but I was really kind of just separated from the group. You know, people talk about mean girls in high school. It wasn't like they went from, you're the one who didn't make the cheerleading squad, you can't be part of our group. But they were on a bus every night going to practice. Well, I guess they were going to practices every night, and I just wasn't there because I wasn't a cheerleader. And then... We, um, oh, like when the games happened, you know, at the Friday nights, like they're on a bus going to the games and I wasn't part of that. So I could go by myself, but I wasn't with my friends. So that's kind of when I collected my other, I want to say, I don't want to call them misfits. I mean, I was a misfit. I embraced that. But just my friends who were also quirky, who didn't really fit in as much. Um, There was a really overweight girl who I adore. Um, But, you know, you just kind of find this collection of people who don't have other friends who were amazing people. So I'm really glad that I was friends with them, but it was definitely, I was not part of the popular crowd and it was really hard for me. So anyway, that's kind of what accelerated. Like I always say when I coach people that it's, there's something that happened that I mean, nobody likes food that much. I know people want to argue with me. I'm a foodie. I love food. And I can tell you as somebody who is a foodie, who loves food, who's dedicated my life to food, I I don't think that every bite you take can make you obese. Yes, it can make you a little overweight because you like food and you don't want to give up your favorites. But if you're enjoying every bite you eat, like truly, truly enjoying every single bite, You have a stop mechanism at some point. And that was the part for me. It's like even today when I'm at my computer, if I'm like on a book deadline, it's I swear there's like this ocean toe that pulls me to the refrigerator like or pulls me to get a snack to the point that I literally suck on hard candy, like sugar-free hard candies um, while I'm writing because I just, I don't have control over that. And so that's what I hope that everybody learns is those ways to like, when is it? What triggers you? For me, I mentioned it's sleep and it's uh, stress. Um, weirdly, if I've broken up with someone or I'm going through some kind of loss, I don't eat. I'm the exact opposite. But if there's some sort of loss or something, it's, it's, I don't know. It just really makes me eat. So I think I tell all of this because as I said, I think people don't realize that I've had that kind of struggle. Like I'm such a happy girl and I'm sure you heard me tearing up and sharing this part of the story. Um, It was a really hard time for me, especially the part about being bullied and like not being part of my friend group. And 
now I have such a rich life and I'm so, so, so glad that I had parents who made sure that I was always loved, number one, and always knew that I could accomplish anything in my life if I set my mind to it and worked hard. And I think those are the driving factors that kept me from doing something horrible as a teenager or killing myself, even though there were times where I was like, I just don't feel like I belong at all. Like I didn't. And honestly, it took me until probably about 10 years ago to really embrace the fact that I am a person who does fit in in groups. And I am somebody who people like, because I literally walked around with that forever. And so while other people say that it's hard to lose weight in your 40s, and it's going to get harder and harder for me, because of the self love that I've garnered over the years, it's actually gone gotten easier. Now, I'm going to go to break. And when I come back, I am going to tell you all about how I flipped everything, how I went from struggling and really being so, so deep in it that I made my parents promise not to send me to a fat camp because there was a girl at school who was constantly being bullied. And because she was thin in the beginning of the year, she'd gain weight. And that's where everyone knew she was over the summer. And just feeling desperate to lose weight, yet not being able to do it, to flipping that whole thing. And also what it was like during my college years and how I actually ended up in an emergency room. I'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Tune in to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and special VIP co-hosts for an entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussion with some of the top stars in their fields, from business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, literature, and current events. If you're looking for what's next and comparing it to what's now or what's past, look no further than the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to elevate yourself and your business to the next level. What are the secrets of business success? Discover them on Key Entrepreneurs of Influence with your host, Kieran Sweeney. Find out who the business owners are that stand out in their respective industries and what they can teach you. The program contains valuable advice that can cost thousands through a professional consultant. Key Entrepreneurs of Influence can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. 
That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. Hey, everyone. So, as I was telling you, I was super stuck in high school. And it kind of all came to a head when I started applying for colleges. As I said, my dream was always to be an actress. And I had straight A's in school, so I was completely setting myself up to achieve that dream. Well, unfortunately, as I started talking to college recruiters, I saw, even though I had plus-size modeling, I was leads in high school plays and all of that, I started seeing a lot of these looks when I said that I wanted to be an actress uh, that were like, oh, and they're like, you're such a pretty girl. And I heard that a lot when I was... Uh, modeling too, where I could hear the undertone was, oh, you're such a pretty girl, but like there was a definitely resounding, but, and it was really scaring me. And in talking to more and more people, and I really wanted to go to either Carnegie Mellon or Duke Carnegie Mellon, because they had the best theater program. They only took like 10 people in their acting program and pretty much all of them make it in Hollywood or Duke because they had an on-campus soap opera. Well, As I said, as I started meeting recruiters, I was definitely getting this notion that there was no way that I was getting into these schools because of my weight um, for their theater programs. So I, being the kind of, I don't know, I've always been one who really goes that extra mile to get my dreams to come true. I went to Carnegie Mellon's pre-college summer theater program thinking, okay, well, if I get in now, I can win everybody over and it won't matter that I'm overweight. I get there and there are... Now, remember, there's only 10 people who get into the program eventually. So here I am for the first time away from my family. I was a very insecure girl, like extremely. Um, It was very hard for me to be away from my mom to the point that when my parents went away, I would cry all the time, like, And my dad was always like, you're going to live in your mother's backyard your whole life, Um, which is kind of ironic now because she wishes now that I lived in her backyard. And I kind of wish I do, too, to be honest. I... um, I am very close to her still. And, uh, but so I went away and I had a huge crush on this guy, Matt. He was gorgeous and he was my acting partner. So we spent a ton of time together in class and I thought he might actually be my first boyfriend because of course I didn't have a boyfriend before that being overweight. And uh, next door to me lived this woman, Audrey, who was beautiful. She was like the perfect 16, 15 or 16 year old. And I guess 15 we were. And then her roommate, Tracy, was also very overweight, though she wasn't wanting to be in the theater program. So I kind of got the sense that Audrey liked Matt. And I kept asking her about it. And she's like, no, no, not at all. And I was like, I have the hugest crush on him. And we were really good friends. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, I don't. So we go to my first concert ever, which was we walk across across um, the bridge in, in Pittsburgh to Three Rivers Stadium and we go to the James Taylor concert and I just feel this vibe that like Audrey and Matt are totally hitting it off and we walk back over the bridge and we go to McDonald's of all places and all of a sudden Matt starts feeding Audrey french fries and I feel like I am going to throw up and the next day I had this powwow with Tracy the overweight woman and I was like I've got to do something about this and she's like I know so do I and I just felt sick I didn't want to talk to Audrey anymore I felt like she totally stabbed me in the back after promising she wasn't going to date him but meanwhile I'm like okay now I'm not getting in school now the guy I like 
it, like like some the pretty girl. What am I going to do? Well, around that time, I heard that if you cut just 100 calories from your diet per day, on average, you'll lose 10 pounds in a year. What I didn't tell you was all this time, while all the other kids were going to the library in the summer and getting books for reading club, I was supposed to be doing that, but I was reading cookbooks. And I was trying to figure out how to diet my way to skinniness so that I could get into a good college. Well... I literally knew so much by the time I was 15 about cooking and dieting, um, cooking from my grandmother, dieting from these books that I would read. And I, I would make these stupid orange squares all the time. They were like, I don't even remember. They were like orange juice and like evaporated milk. And then I think there was some sweetener, like an artificial sweetener, probably, unfortunately, and uh, gelatin. And it was almost like these orange creamsicle jello blocks. And I would eat them all the time as a weight loss thing. Well, so at this point I'm like okay I just have to reverse engineer food and I can do this well that literally was the turning point just hearing that and the interesting thing was like I had literally tried I don't know if people have heard of the milk and banana diet but you eat three bananas and three glasses of milk and you um, that's all in a day now I mentioned that I don't have any willpower so I was able to do that for about a day and a half and like the diets, as I said, that I tried, like I could never do them. I just couldn't. Um, and I was the kind of girl that like, if someone was like, Oh, there's this new diet. And if you don't have any sugar, you just have like, you can have carob and you can have honey and you can have, you know, all these clean ingredients, you'll lose weight. Well, I'm the girl who figures out that you can put oats and carob and honey and, uh, what was it? Oh, and peanut butter all together and make these yummy peanut butter balls. Well, those things are so calorie dense. Of course, I wasn't losing weight on those either. But I mean, I could I could basically bastardize any diet on the sun or under the sun and make it bad for me. So long story short, no matter where I went, oh, and I because of this night, like I suddenly couldn't eat fast food anymore. And literally on that night, I decided I was never having fast food again. And I'm proud to say like, uh, what is it? 40? No, 30 years later, I have not had fast food except when I was making my book fast food fix. So long story short, between giving that up and like really reverse engineering, I loved chicken Parmesan. And the first dish that I ever did was I just took a chicken breast and I grilled it instead of deep frying it. And I put full fat sauce and full fat cheese. And it was actually satisfying. I mean, no, it's not greasy and all of that. But I decided to to give up fried food and mayonnaise, which I do eat a little mayonnaise now, but I still don't really eat fried food. So that was the start. And then I did lose 25 to 30 pounds that year. And when I applied for colleges, I got in to Carnegie Mellon Duke, but not for theater. So then I knew that I really, really, really needed to lose weight. And I wasn't going to go to a backup school um, when I really, really wanted to be an actress and watch other people be actresses and I couldn't. Or, you know, ride my whole future on, well, I'll go there and then I'll get in the program later. It just didn't seem like a good idea. So instead, being the girl who doesn't party and who was afraid of everything under the sun and who didn't feel very social and didn't feel like I fit in, when I vet, went to visit Smith, I felt very safe. I went to Tufts and it was um, a lot of drinking and a lot of partying and I'm like, I'm not going to fit in here. But when I went to Smith, there was all this tradition of women like totally adoring each other. And, and I could just tell there was so much love there. And there were so many different areas of campus that I would have to fit in somewhere. 
So that's where I went. And I proceeded to continue to lose weight, so much so that I made it through the theater program. I got recruited by the Television Academy to LA from Smith. Now, at this point, I had lost my weight, but not all of it. Like, I still was probably about 20 pounds up from where I am now. So I get out here and I realize, like, that I was in a writing program, but I really wanted to be acting, but I never told anybody that. Instead, I was cooking at charity events and people figured out that I could cook really healthy food and wanted me to cook for them. Well, here I am in this dichotomy again, like I know I'm really good at cooking, but I also can't be around food. Or at that point, like I knew I'd gain weight back, but I went to culinary school anyway, because I'm like, well, I could get a job in somebody's private guest house, which would be really cool from a, from a small town girl from Pennsylvania. And then I could, you know, work my way into celebrity lives and like help people really transform until my writing career took off. Well, as it turns out, I never started writing. Um, Instead, I managed to develop an eating disorder because the voice in me that wanted to be an actress was just so strong. And I started going on auditions. I owned the catering business and that was going well. That's how I supported myself. But I started acting and I kept hearing, even though I literally was like 126 pounds, I was a size two on top or zero on top, two on the bottom because my hips are just bigger. They just are. And I was hearing that I was too big. And now, mind you, I was also lying about my age because I look young. Most people look at me and think I'm in my mid 30s at at worst, um, when I'm actually 45. And so when I was 27, which is when everything came to a head, I was telling people, well, I had told my manager that I was 20 when I met her because there was this whole teen boom. It was the time that that scary movie was out and all the movies were about teenagers. And she was like, you know what? You're such a young 20. Let's tell people you're 18. (laughs) So here I was lying to her that I was 20, lying to somebody else that I like lying to everybody else that I was 18. At that age, you know, you're starting to think like, I want a relationship. I want to get married. So I was just in this conflict because I would meet men my age, but I was supposed to be 20. It was crazy. And I also just felt so bad about myself because I was constantly being told I was fat and I wasn't. And it created this crazy, crazy, crazy obsession that actually landed me in Overeaters Anonymous because I got to the point that I was told I was fat so much that I couldn't even go out anywhere. Like literally, like I would, every time I was supposed to go somewhere, literally my clothes were size twos and fours. I would try things on and I would throw them on my bed. Nope, look fat in that. Nope, look fat in that. Nope, look fat in that. Now, mind you, right now, it's like fours and sixes, and I don't feel that way at all. Like, I rarely try on my entire wardrobe. Um, every once in a while, I am a woman, and I'll put something on and be like, eh, no. But it usually takes two or three tries, not like 30, and then I'm like, I'm not going. So, and what I didn't say was that um, in college at one point, I was super under stress. Um, one of my friends passed away unexpectedly. And uh, I just, I don't know, it was my sophomore year and I was really having a tough time. And I wound up taking laxatives because I was was eating uncontrollably and I wound up in the emergency room. Um, And I'm glad that that happened actually because, I mean, so many people can get full-blown bulimia. And had I not gotten that drastically sick, I probably would have 
I don't know, I might have continued because it seemed like an easy answer. Like the first couple of days I did it, it seemed great. I was eating stuff that I wanted and not worrying about it and doing my, you know, being able to take class and all of that. But then a couple of days before spring break, we had just finished midterms and I landed in the emergency room and my parents were paying my bills and, you know, I was at the hospital, so I had to call them. And I lied to them and told them that I had, no, like the doctor said, I had an ovarian cyst um, because, you know, I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do because they would kill me if they had any idea. As I said, I have the best parents in the world and, and like I never should have been doing something like that. But the pressure just got to me and with my friend passing away. I should also jump back to college and say that I am a big manifester and I'll talk about that later, but I've always been like that. And I think it's kind of ironic. I literally, everybody knew my whole life that I was going to do something like Hollywood bound, even in my senior yearbook where I was totally picked on the valedictorian of our class wrote in my yearbook, like I'm going to collect your famous garbage someday. I think mostly cause I was the lead in some plays. And then um, when I was in college, I literally had an map of NBC studios on my wall and I knew that I was going to be there someday. And the funny thing is that the show that I first got was Biggest Loser on NBC. Um, now, granted, I took a million steps to get there and I'll talk about manifesting later, but I mean, it's kind of ironic looking back that so many of these things were present in my life. So anyway, Overeaters Anonymous, I wind up literally saying to one of my friends, I know I'm not a hideously ugly person. I'm sure there's a lot of people who would feel great if they looked like me, but I just don't. So I went to Overeaters Anonymous and to be honest, like it was the first time in my life where I ever truly felt like I belonged somewhere. And at first it was amazing. Like people would ask you, I used to always say people would ask you how you were feeling and they'd really want an answer. You know how we go through life and we're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Whatever. But there they were like, how are you? And you could tell they were like looking into your soul and caring. And I'll never forget in one of my first meetings, this man told this story that he, um, his, he was an overeater, like compulsive overeater, like really, really bad, like way worse than me. And he said that his mom was making, uh, eclairs for a party. And she was like, if you eat them or like, she basically told him not to. And he's like, and I knew if I ate so much as one of them, she would beat the crap out of me. And he's like, I was so deep in disorder. He's like, I couldn't not, but he's like, I didn't want to be beaten. So he spooned the cream out of all of the eclairs. Like he was so desperate to eat them. Uh, but he didn't want to get beaten. Well, he gets to the part or like the party comes and everybody realizes that there's no cream in the eclairs and he gets the crap beaten out of him anyway. And people after people would tell these stories about how they were just uncontrollably eating. And I was like, wow, I feel like I fit in. I feel so normal here. And so, you know, I would go to my meetings and I like every single day and this really things came to a head. Um, it was a time where like I knew that I needed to transition in my career. Um, and basically what I didn't say is just before this, I got cast in I was auditioning and I got the best manager because I pulled a stunt to do that and I got a great agent and they were telling they were the ones telling me that I was too fat and my 
um, I got, I wound up getting booked in this documentary called Starstruck that was being done by the BBC. And I've never, I've not told people publicly this before. Um, and basically my agent or my manager pitched me as this 18 year old. Now, mind you, I'm 27 who was too fat and not hip enough um, to be a real actress, but who had talent. And the, and the BBC was like, wait, what? You think this girl is too fat? So not only was I featured in it, I wound up being the star of it. And Willem Dafoe and Cameron Mannheim and all these, oh, Angelica Houston, all these big actresses were on there saying, yeah, when I was this, I was told this. And, and meanwhile, they have me running on a treadmill like a psycho girl. They um, highlighted my hair. They insisted on highlighting my hair the way my manager wanted it to be. It's the only time in my life I've ever colored my hair at all. They put me in these leather pants and a super low cut top. And now mind you, I'm a D cup bra, like CD. They put me in a bra enhancer um, to make my chest look even bigger. And then it's popping out of this red sweater. And my boyfriend at the time had taken pictures of me. I was wearing like overalls and a Hello Kitty barrette in my hair. And I looked like this sweet, innocent hometown girl. And then they put me in all of these clothes and make me look like this little slut. And I look at the pictures like back to back with the ones my boyfriend took and these pictures. And I was just horrified and I started crying and I watched my manager when the movie aired say um she's not hip and she will never make it as an actress but she has talent and I was like I cannot be an actress I want no part of this world and that is what led to my current career the transition my days in Overeaters Anonymous and when I come back in a couple minutes I will tell you how I radically changed my life and started feeling great. So stay tuned. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. What is the real social impact that those in the entertainment industry are making? Indie Vision Radio with host Scott C. Brown, the founder of the Indie Vision Project and Maxit Magazine, is a personal conversation about their work in the industry and the impact they're having on humanity. From world health to world peace, you're given a true behind-the-scenes look at what those working in the indie realm are doing to make a positive influence on the world. On the Influencers Channel, tune in to Indie Vision Radio, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America. If you're looking to grow your business, enjoy fascinating relationships, achieve your goals, and find hope in a seemingly hopeless world, you'll want to tune into Coffee with Christy. Host Christy Dryling and her incredible guests have a frank and open discussion every week. Think of it as a time to meet with your mentors, get the motivation you need, and remove the obstacles one hour at a time. Coffee with Christy is heard live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Influencers. The Greg Reed Show takes you behind the scenes with some of the most successful entrepreneurs and influencers the world has to offer. Greg S. Reed is known as a master storyteller and a highly sought-after motivational keynote speaker. You'll learn that successes have their downsides and challenges as well. Find out how Greg and his guests have overcome these challenges to become some of the top influencers today. Listen to The Greg Reed Show, Mondays at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Influencers. 
Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. So, I'm in Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm starting to get my groove. I have a whole group of friends that I totally relate to. I'm going to meeting after meeting after meeting. And I'm still catering at this point to pay the bills um, and doing a little bit of acting. But suddenly... It occurs to me, well, one, I didn't want to be acting anymore and knew I needed a new career. But two, as I'm going through the program and like I have this group of friends and everything, I'm realizing that this is my whole life. Like I'm not actually living a life. I'm not actually pursuing a dream. I'm just like in major group therapy. Well, at the same time, I also, my trainer, because I was working out like a little fiend trying to keep my size to body that my body is not supposed to be. And my trainer um, said, Dev, you're struggling a ton. He's like, there's this guy who's like the most amazing therapist. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't believe in therapy. And he's like, no, really. And I'm like, no, I don't believe in therapy. I don't necessarily feel bad at 4 PM because I'd tried going to therapy, like after my girlfriend died and I tried going to therapy another time. And it was always like, how are you feeling? And they'd ask me all these questions. Um, and it just, I don't know, it just made me feel bad, as I said, four o'clock on, on Thursdays or whatever time I went, and I didn't ever see the value in it. Well, this guy who was my trainer was basically like, Dev, I was in prison. I, um, and I mean, I so looked up to this guy. He was married to this amazing woman. They were both in my acting class, and um, he just had this amazing life. And he's like, I didn't talk to my family. I was in prison for selling drugs. I blah, 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 blah. And now I have this life I had. And it's this guy who helped me. And I was like, whoa. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go to therapy. And so I start going to the therapist. And the therapist was amazing. Um, He just really helped me get to the bottom of everything. And he made me promise that he's like, when you decide to stop coming to me, you have to give me two more sessions. Meaning that... Like he was letting me go to therapy for a lot less money than I normally would. He was this advocate for artists, for people like me who are really struggling but had potential, um, knowing that artists can't afford great therapy. And, um, but basically said that like, he knew he'd make me mad at a point. So in order to work with him, I had to commit that when I wanted to stop going, I could stop paying, but I still had to come to two more sessions. And I was like, okay. So he, I was on this like super tight regime, as I said, from Overeaters Anonymous, where I was drinking like three shakes a day. And I was doing like, at that point, it was those Myoplex shakes. And I, and he was like, you can't have them anymore. And I was like, wait, what? And he's like, what if you, he's like, your dream is to go off. And, you know, at this point I was transitioning into this career. He's like, your dream is to like fly around. What if you can't get them? You're just going to fall apart if you don't have them. Like you can't have that big an emotional attachment to these. He's like, they're gone. If it's not real food, they're gone. 
down. And I was like, oh my God. And in that time of him really changing my life, I was realizing that Overeaters Anonymous was not for me. Um, And as my sponsor put it, she's like, you know, you kind of have a broken finger and a lot of people here like have a serious, serious addiction. And I was like, but I landed in a hospital. And she's like, yeah, but you didn't stay there. And so I really started putting a lot more faith in therapist. And at the same time, one of my friends in Overeaters Anonymous, who was this gorgeous girl named Heather, uh, who had been bulimic for years and had been in recovery and was doing really well, suddenly wasn't doing well anymore. She, I mean, picture gorgeous blue eyes and just like an angelic face and perfect body, um, wound up eating too many pancakes, binged again, and then tried to commit suicide. And it suddenly was this light bulb that went off on me. Like this girl did not feel good. She never felt beautiful. She never felt anything. And I was realizing that I spent so much time listening to all these outside forces telling me that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't pretty enough and that I was too fat and that my face was cute, but my body wasn't. And, um, and it just put so much pressure on me. And then around that time too, somebody pointed out, and I've shared this before in my platform, but that if you were trying to transform a five-year-old, you would never be like, you're fat, you're ugly. Like so many of us do that. Like we walk by a mirror, we're like, oh, those wrinkles, they're horrible, blah, 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 whatever. If you were as I said, like eating too much, you would never like belittle a child like that. Yet we do it to ourselves all day long. We're so quick to be like, you look terrible. You look whatever. And we really can't do that. And when I made a commitment to only talk to myself as I was, as if I was five or younger, it changed my life. I am no longer allowed to completely beat myself up and I don't. Yes, we all have those thoughts. You know, I have those days where I'm like, wow, I really don't look my best. But it's wow, I don't look my best, not I'm an ugly fat cow, um, which I used to do all the time. I used to even draw pictures of myself that were super ugly and be like, no man will ever like you or like boyfriends. Like I thought the more that I beat myself up, the more that would whip me into shape. And it was actually the opposite. It just put so much pressure on me. So by this point, I was tired. I stopped drinking the shakes that I was drinking. And I started eating real food. And I stopped counting calories. I'm a person who cannot count calories. Um, I also made a couple funny promises to myself. One of which is really funny. And I encourage everybody to really see what triggers you. Like when you're finding yourself in this place where you're eating too much, like what is it that's doing it? For me, as I said, I know it is sleep. If I don't have sleep, I am just like, I want food. Um, so when I, this always surprises people, but when I'm flying around and doing my appearances, if I have a chance between getting an extra hour of sleep or working out, if I would otherwise, you know, say there's, um, I don't know, I have eight hours, right? And if I could go to sleep and sleep a good seven hours, or I could go to the gym for an hour, which will wire me for an hour, and then only sleep like five and a half, six hours, I know that I'm actually going to do so much better with my fitness if I skip the workout. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, when I travel, there were times where for six weeks, I didn't have time to work out at all. But people also saw that when I was on my ships on Royal Caribbean, like I was doing 14 flights of stairs, like people were laughing at me because I didn't really have time to work out, but I did have time to take the stairs instead of the elevator. So that's what I would do. Um, 
And when I go to airports, instead of sitting down and eating a Cinnabon, like I've seen seen people do a lot, I walk the airports. Like you have a solid, you know, usually half hour when you get to an airport before your plane boards. Well, that half hour can be movement. So I started wearing a body tracker thing and I didn't even track my food on it. I just, I used to love those body media armbands that Biggest Loser came out with, um, or I guess worked with Biggest Loser. I guess Biggest Loser didn't come out with them. but, um, But to me, it really showed me like, am I being active? today? Am I burning calories? So, and then the second thing for me is, and this is a totally weird one, but you know how you run in the house and you have to pee, like you've been gone all day and you really have to pee and you have to, you know, whatever. And you wind up grabbing junk food. I don't allow myself to eat if I have to pee, which I know sounds so funny, but this has been a rule in my head for years because I would find that I'd have to pee and I'd want to eat and I'd go and I'd like shovel food in because I had to pee and I needed to get to the bathroom, which again is such a dumb thing. And I can't believe that I'm admitting this, uh, you know, publicly, but it's true. And it's really made a difference. Um, another thing is that I weigh myself every day. Now I told you that I don't write everything down because I think that creates obsession. I know some people think weighing themselves creates obsession. For me, it's the opposite. I allow myself in a five pound range, like I weigh uh, 135 to 140 all the time. And um, I mean, pretty much like that's my weight. And so if I'm at 135 and I want to be a little more indulgent, I will. If I'm creeping up to 140, I won't. And if I start going over 140, which since my car accident, it's been really, really tough. Um, and I have gone over a couple times. It's like game on. It doesn't matter what else is going on in my life. I go to the gym every single day. Like right now, I actually, I have my cookbook shoot coming up for, um, the American Diabetes Association cookbook that's coming out in March. Um, and that's in like two weeks. So I'm literally working out every day. If I have a date, I, nine times out of 10, it's a workout date. Um, because I, you know, I'm just like, Hey, let's go play beach tennis or let's go do something fun because I don't want to be drinking. I want to be, you know, small for my, my shoot. Um, and so by keeping in that range, as I said, like, I know my body, I know that at certain times of the month, I'm two pounds up or three pounds up. Um, I know that if I had a lot of carbs at night, or if I've had a lot of salt at night, so it's not like I flip out, it's just kind of a guide. But it's really funny for those of you who know Brett Hobel from The Biggest Loser, like he wants me to get rid of my scale. And I always chuckle at him. I love him to death. But he, he's like, you need to get rid of your scale, you know, if you're doing what you should. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I'm not. Um, I love the trainers who, you know, yeah, they know they love working out so hard. They love doing all this stuff. So you don't need a scale because you are doing the right thing all the time. I'm not. And so, as I said, by putting that red alert, like I call anything over 140 my red zone, it's total red alert. And then I'm definitely taking the steps I need to. I make sure I have my green juices every day. I make sure I'm drinking my green tea. I make sure I'm doing skin brushing. Um, And by the way, if anybody wants to call in, you're more than welcome to now. We have a few minutes left. And in upcoming weeks, I'll be taking a lot more calls and I'll be bringing on guests. But, but, um, as I said, today, it was really important to me to really share my whole story because I think it sets a foundation for people understanding that I've been there. I mean, I could have gone even deeper and um, and told you about numerous incidences, and I am happy, happy to 
um, share them if people want me to at some point um, and answer your questions about, you know, the depth of it and if there's any stuck points. Um, But I will tell you that one of the things that's so, so, so important is not punishing yourself. And that's where working out comes in. I joke a lot that I don't go to a gym. And honestly, yesterday I did go to a gym. Like I was on the treadmill because it's all about this book shoot coming up. But that's a short term thing. It's not something like I'm not going to the gym every day. But I also played beach tennis last night um, on a date and I, uh, played, what else did I do? Oh, I, you know, I'm on a USTA tennis team. So whether I feel like it or not, I have to show up and I play singles. Doubles would be more fun because it's more social, but I love playing singles. Um, but it's, for me, it's really finding the fun. Um, I believed for so long that I hated working out. Like I really believed that with all my being. And it wasn't until I was at the biggest loser resort. Oh, and I told you my sister loved it. And I think she was part of the reason that I thought I hated it. Cause she was just like, looked forward to going to Equinox and looked forward to taking this class and doing this and that. And it was just never me. And and so when I was at a biggest loser resort, we take a two and a half hour hike every morning. And on like day three, I was like, wow, this is beautiful. I wish I could do this every morning because I felt so rejuvenated. And I realized what it was, was I really like hiking. I really like being outdoors. I really liked the social element of it. When I get on a treadmill, I feel like I'm on a treadmill. I feel like I'm, as I said, punishing myself. Like there's nothing fun about that. And on top of it, I always get on there and it it makes me think of everything else I'm supposed to be doing in the day. And it makes it, as I said, feel punitive. Like, oh my God, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And I just want to get off it. But when I'm playing tennis, it's about the strategy of where to put the ball. And when I'm hitting just tennis balls, like with a date, it's just silly and fun and who cares? And so... I made that switch like in a way that I love myself through moving also. And for those who are really having trouble with the working out, and I'll probably talk about this a lot, but it's like, what is that thing that can get you back to childhood where you actually love it? Like at some point in life, most of us, maybe not the current generation who grew up with computer screens, but most of us who are in our thirties and forties and even twenties, um, there was a time where you loved playing with your friends. What was that playing with friends? Was it running around the pool? Was it playing Marco Polo? Was it Whatever it was, um, was it jumping rope until your mom had to call you in from for dinner and you didn't want to? Whatever that was, what if you did that now? What if you just went back and like literally played volleyball in the pool or you literally played dodgeball with your friends or you literally created a girls night just to work out or you got your partner involved in going to do paintball or climbing a rock climbing wall or something that isn't a gym like would that change your perspective that's what the show is all about yes I'll be talking about food some but really what have it all is about is to have fun in everything you do to fall in love with every aspect of your life and truly have it all so I am so glad everyone's joined me today I hope that you've learned something gotten inspired a little bit and I look forward to sharing even more secrets coming up and stay tuned check out my Facebook page and the Voice America page to see what next week episode is going to be I look forward to seeing you all then have a great week thanks for listening to have it all be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern time 
9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.